All right, so we're going to bounce around a little bit today. We're going to be uh, throughout the Old Testament in some different fashion, but mostly we're going to settle into Romans 5 today for our teaching, uh, so feel free to flip there today. One of the more interesting spots in Bluffton that I've grown to have this really weird um, kind of joy in, in being around is, is a traffic light where virtues go to die. There's, there's this strange, there's this place in Bluffton that I find strangely, oddly satisfying to watch. And, and the traffic light I'm talking about is going northbound on one, the traffic light right by Arby's where two lanes of traffic come into one lane of traffic, right? And if you've been in Bluffton long enough, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're, yeah, you're laughing because you know. You make a decision every time that you come up to that light when it's turning yellow or if it's going to be turning yellow, are you going to go inside lane or are you going to go outside lane? If I go outside lane, my belief is that I can out-accelerate you as the, ver the traffic merges into one lane. I can out-accelerate you and get to where I'm going faster. But if you're in the inside lane, you know exactly what that person's doing, right? And you are left with this decision to be virtuous or do I gun it, right? And I have seen some beautifully wonderful things. I have watched elderly people turn into drag racers <laughs> because they don't want to sacrifice one spot. Block you. You're not going to get past me. We all know it. We have all been faced with that decision. And here's the thing. I think that if we were going to take a snapshot of our cultural impatience, this might be the very spot to take that. You know, patience or our ability to wait for something has become sort of this cultural, like, joke. It's a running gag within our culture. I want to be more patient. We long to be more patient. We know that it's good for us. We know that impatience is not. But we simply just don't have the time nor the priority to focus intently on it, to work it out in our own lives. And so when we look in G at Jesus, when we look in Scripture, we see this sort of paradox in these three short years of ministry that Jesus has on earth before he's taken into glory, before he restores mankind, he redeems us in our sins, he brings us righteousness in front of a holy God. In those three short years, Jesus walks with an intense purpose to accomplish his mission. Int intensely moving from place to place, but yet what we witness in Jesus is a beautiful waiting and patience displayed in his life. Time and time again, we see interactions with Jesus and people where people demand something of Jesus only to hear Jesus says, it's not my time yet. It's not my time yet. He is patient on his Father's will, practicing patience so that his mission and his purpose is accomplished fully. He's completely dependent on the will of the Father. And so it's this idea of patience, of, of waiting, that we want to talk about today. Waiting is, a, is an attribute that God shares with us. We talked last week about those communicable attributes that we share with God in our creation in the Omago Day. We have never stopped, despite the fall, despite brokenness, we have never stopped being made in the image of God, and we share God's attributes in the area of patience. 
Maybe not fully realized in your life, but they are given to you in design. Paul speaks in, in the book of Galatians about how the Holy Spirit who rests in and through those who trust Christ in his redeeming sacrifice, how the Holy Spirit begins to show these fruits in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. You can do them as much as you want. And when we look at these fruits, these things that should be shown in greater capacity as we mature in Christ, we can come to some pretty good understanding of why God might want to develop those things in us. We can look at goodness, and I say, well, why goodness? You may say, well, th there's good reason for goodness, right? I can answer that question. Why love? Why, why would love be a, a something that God would develop in us? We would say, oh, obviously, there is some good reason for that. But if I asked you, why patience? Why patience? You probably would be left standing there silent for a while, trying to figure out, now, why is it that God wants patience? Is it just to drive me crazy? Just to drive me crazy and not getting the things that I want. Well, like always, there is great wisdom to be found in Scripture. There's great wisdom around this idea of patience, of waiting uh, that God has for his people, and that's what we want to look at today. Uh, when we look in our New Testament, when we look in our Old Testament, there's a couple different words that are the root of this word patience. Uh, there's two words. There's one that is found in Hebrew, which is the original language of the books of the Old Testament. And there's a second uh, in the Greek language, which is the original language of the New Testament. And both of those words compel this idea of patience that is about long-suffering endurance. It's about persevering while we're here on earth. And if you read scripture with any consistency, if you've read through it in any manner, what you'll come to realize is that waiting is a default position that God has his people in often and always. If we think back in our Old Testament scriptures, we think back to Abraham. Abraham was promised by God that he would have descendants that would number the stars, that he would make many great nations. God promised him a son and Abraham waited. But what did Abraham do in his waiting? Well, him and Sarah devised the plan that he should get his, her maid pregnant, and then they could have a son, and they did, Ishmael. But that wasn't the son that God promised them. And so Abraham waited. And then when Abraham's 100 years old, he has a child named Isaac. How would you like to have a child at 100? Nah. God first promised him a child at 75. 25 years of waiting here, Abraham. And then you've got Joseph. And Joseph has this dream where he's going to be a great leader. But then he's sold into slavery by his brothers. Though he's sure he did not understand what was happening to him, he trusted God enough with this plan that God would figure this out in his time. Joseph patiently worked faithfully in each situation that he was in. He waited for God to fulfill the promise that he had made to him in his dream some long time ago. He believed that God would deliver, but he probably wondered why he was sitting in a jail cell, wondered why all these things were happening to him. Job is a famous story of man waiting on God to give an answer for our pain and our struggling. Job waits on God for an answer. Moses waits in the desert for 40 years 
waiting for the promised land that was promised to him long ago, that he would have access to it, only to realize that that promise would never be fulfilled. The very thing that he waited for would never be his to have. And then you have prophet after prophet reminding the nation of Israel of this idea of waiting. Hosea uh, Hosea reminds and reprimands the nation of Israel who's divided into two kingdoms at this time. He reprimands them and says, therefore, in Hosea 12, he says, therefore, return to your God, observe kindness and justice, and wait for your God continually. Jeremiah writes in the book of Lamentations, the Lord is good for those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And Micah reminds God's people of the need to wait. He says, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And listen, we could go on and on. We could go through Psalms and Psalms and Psalms and Proverbs and stories after story of God's people waiting for him. We could consider the weight of our ancient ancestors as they waited for the Messiah, Jesus, to come and restore righteousness and wholeness. This idea of patience, of waiting, of long-suffering is rooted amongst God's people as a posture, a position that we have constantly been in and will constantly be practicing. Patient isn't this new-fangled idea here in the future, but rather an old idea, an old demand that has been practiced and performed by God's people everywhere and on all times. But the question that we have, right, is why do I have to wait? Why patience? Why does any of that matter? Why can't I just have it now? And look, I know in this room that there are many of you who are long-suffering in your waiting for healing, for relief, maybe even to go to glory. There are many of you in here who are patiently waiting for an answer Maybe yet there are still of you who are, have waited only to find that in your waiting, the very thing that you waited for was not given to you. In fact, maybe it was the exact opposite of what you hoped for. And so listen, I, I don't claim to know the whys of God. I don't claim to know his brain, his mind. I can't answer all your questions. But what I do know is that when I read Scripture and from what I've experienced in my own life, that patience and waiting has never been about you getting the end product. It has always been about the person in the process. It's always been about our development, our process. God's aim is not to keep you from something that you really want so he can lord over you and control you in his power. It's about you becoming something different than what you naturally want to be. And so let's back up for a moment and let's go all the way back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. I go here a lot because I think in those three short chapters we learn a lot about who we were supposed to be, who we are today, and that brokenness that is rooted in our hearts and within creation. And so what we see in the beginning of creation was everything is gravy train. It's beautiful, it's perfect, it couldn't be any better. 
And then we see this moment where humanity operates inside of their own wisdom, inside of their own minds, as Eve is tempted by the serpent, which is Satan, allured by this belief that God is holding out on you, that you could be like God, you could be all wise. And in that moment, what does Eve not do? She doesn't wait. She leans into indulgence. She leans into impatience. And she takes what is not rightfully hers. They did not consider the voice of God. They did not seek the wisdom of God. They impulsively acted. And creation was destroyed in it. The age of sin and death was ushered in. And what we can learn about that is that calamity and destruction and grief is the product of humanity not waiting, not seeking, not practicing patience with our God. And God knows it. He knows it. And he's established this idea of waiting and patience, long-suffering in this world, not as a punishment or a consequence, but a reminder that we simply should not trust in our own wisdom, that we simply should not trust in our own hearts, that the better option is waiting and seeking the Lord. Not only that, but we must simply consider that our God himself is long-suffering with us in our sins. He is extremely patient. Peter writes in 2 Peter in chapter 3, he says the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as someone, as some count slowness, but his patience towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God has greatly endured all of our sin, all of our mistakes, our serious silliness. He is slow to anger, slow to judgment. He is merciful to us. And so let us consider the effects of waiting in our lives. The effects of being patient besides you going crazy and giving up or you getting bored and trying something new. Consider what patience produces in our lives. When we wait, if we have patience, it serves as a vehicle to reveal our true motives. It serves as a vehicle to reveal our true heart. It as we wait, as we have to think and consider and listen to God, seek his truth in his word, it has this refining effect in our lives. It serves as refining our moments, our motives. Waiting reveals our true heart. And it transforms our character. It transforms who we are to be more like Christ. But not only that, in our waiting we grow deeper in dependency and hope in Jesus and God. Waiting is God's classroom where the Holy Spirit of God does his best work. And Paul writes about this beautiful process in Romans 5. In Romans 5, starting in, in verse 3, it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. That word for endurance is the similar word to patience, steadfastness, waiting. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, 
because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul reminds us that in our waiting, it's not simply for you to stand still, but it is part of the process of God refining who we are as followers of Christ. But yet, isn't it true that we find ourselves today in probably the most self-indulgent culture that mankind has ever seen? That we live in a culture that's so focused on instant gratification that patience is something that we don't have time for. There's an article written in the Boston Globe uh, that, that says the demand for instant results is speeding into every corner of our lives. The need for instant gratification is not something new, but our expectations of instant has become faster. The article states that retailers are jumping on same-day shipping. I can have what I want at the same time. Smartphones have apps now that eliminate our wait for a cab or a ride, even a date. You can get a date through apps. You can get a seat at a hot restaurant quickly. Movies and TV stream in mere seconds. But experts caution that instant gratification comes at a tremendous price. It makes us less patient. We've come to expect things so quickly that researchers have found that people can't wait more than a few seconds for a video to load. Think about that in your own practice. How long are you willing to wait on a website before it loads? They surveyed 6.7 million people, and they found out that after five seconds, 25% of people are gone. And after 10 seconds, half are gone. This is a glimpse into our future. As internet speeds increase, people will become even less willing to wait for their cute puppy video, right? The researchers who spent years gathering this data worry that someday people will be too impatient to even take surveys of being patient. And listen, we have to remind ourselves that waiting is a part of God's good, right, and flourishing plan for his people. We need to wait because we are far less capable than we think we are. We are far less wise than we think we are. We're far less strong than we think we are. We need to wait for our joy and for God's glory. Being a patient person isn't an option. It is a lifestyle for us. If we don't wait, if we don't wrestle, everything comes, becomes about impulse, everything becomes about us. Because listen, our brokenness has changed our makeup. Our brokenness from the fall has changed our makeup. And in us is a great longing and lacking of what was with God in the garden. And we deal with that on a daily basis. It's a reminder to us of how much we need Christ and who we are. Listen, what we want to do instead of leaning into that lacking and lostness, understanding ourselves better, understanding God better, to join in the process of waiting that produces character, that reveals our hearts. What we would rather do is escape and numb the process of waiting. We don't want to wrestle with the longing and the lacking in our lives that produces character and steadfastness and hope. What we'd rather do is shop. What we'd rather do is drink. What we'd rather do is eat. I don't have time to wrestle with this. And we rob ourselves 
the beautiful process of God making his people more unto himself. So friends, with all that I have, if you are someday hoping to have a child, if you have a child, if you're going to have a child, if you have grandkids or if you have aunts, listen. Or if, you have, if you're an aunt and you have nephews and nieces, listen. We have to model delayed gratification in our life. We have to model waiting in our lives. Our kids are not understanding it. It is all about instant gratification. And listen, waiting is the good design for God and our flourishing that he would reveal our character. It is to the detriment of the gospel that we don't sit patiently and wait and hope in God. We have to model this in our life. We have to fight against culture and teach patience in our lives. And so what we can see in Scripture is there is at least four good reasons on why God has us wait. There could be multiple other ones, but four good reasons why we wait. Number one is this. It is because God is sovereign, which means that God is supreme. He is the ruler of everything. He is in control of all. We must Wait, because, listen, we're not writing our own personal novels. You are not the author of your life. You, your life does not work the way that you want it to and in the time that you would like it to. You and I do not live in the center of the universe. That position is reserved squarely for God and God alone, always. Our individual stories and the stories of this church are authored by God himself, from our origin to our destiny. God is the author of our lives. When we understand that, waiting becomes immediately easier when you realize that God is sovereign. He's in control. And when you realize that you further reflect God's love and wisdom as the ultimate source of everything in your life, all you need is Him. Waiting is therefore not a sign that this world is out of control not. Rather, it's a sign that your world is under the wise and infinite attention of a beautiful, controlling God who is faithful and fathomless in his wisdom and his boundless love. This means that you can rest as you wait, not because you like to wait, but because you trust the one who's calling you to wait. The second why is because God is a God of grace. Waiting is one of God's most powerful too. We talked about this a little earlier today. It's important for you to realize that God just simply doesn't give you grace in your waiting, but waiting is the gift of grace to you from God. You see, waiting only serves to reveal our hearts, our character. Waiting is about you becoming something different than yourself. And in calling us to wait, God is rescuing us from the bondage of our own plans, of our own time, of our own wisdom, of our own power, of our own control. In calling us to wait, God is freeing us from this claustrophobic confine of our own little kingdom of one and drawing us into a greater allegiance of a kingdom of his glory and his great greatness. Waiting is more than being patient as situations and other people change, waiting is about understanding that you and I desperately need change ourselves. 
Waiting is a powerful tool for God to change the human heart. Sufficient in a process to change us. The third reason is so we can minister to others. I don't know how many of you have walked beside somebody that you are discipling or ministering to, but here's what you will learn. It will never go the way that you want it to go. People will change far less and and quick as you hope that they might. Being patient allows us to walk with them, to show them the grace and the mercy that we receive. It means that we say the same things over and over and over and over again in hopes that they might fully get it. It means that we are willing to let our lives be complicated by the mess of others, waiting so we can be impactful with God's love and mercy. And the last one is to make much about the name of Christ to make much about the name of Christ. We wait in life because everything in life does not exist for our own comfort, does not exist for our own need, our own ease, but for the renown of God, for the glory of his name, to make his name know. The whole redemptive story is written for one purpose and one purpose alone, the glory of our king. It is not about me. Waiting is hard for us because we tie our hearts and our minds to other glories. We so often are tempted to live for human acceptance, the glory of personal achievement, the glory of power and position and possession and place of our own comfort and our own pleasure. So when God's glory requires that these things be withheld from us, things that we look to for our identity and our meaning and our purpose, taken away from us. And we find waiting grueling and burdensome in that experience. But listen, waiting is about you surrendering your glory. Waiting is about you submitting that to God. Waiting means you understand that you're giving your life and breath to a glory of another person. Waiting gives you an opportunity to forsake your own personal glory and rest in the awesome glory of our Father. Only when you do that will you find what you seek on this earth and what you were meant to be in everlasting identity and meaning and purpose and peace. Waiting is not a burden. It is for our flourishing. And so this has to be something that we are intentional in prayer to concern our hearts, that we would become a people that are waiting in expectation, that our God would deliver on his promises that he's given to us, that we would wait, that God would reveal our hearts, our character, that we would teach and model patience, delayed gratification in our lives, that we would teach our children in the next generation, that waiting is about wrestling with our motives and our character. This is flourishing wisdom from a loving God. And so today, what we want to do as we end our time in this series is come around the table of communion and celebrate what it is that God has done for us. Our hope that causes us to be able to wait so patiently. And in this time, as we celebrate the elements, the the bread that represents the broken body of Christ, the, the juice that represents the blood that was shed for my sin, that Christ 
would make me a worthy person in front of God, that my righteousness would be contained in his. As we come around that time, it's important that we reflect on our own hearts, that we confess our own shortcomings, our own sins, that we take a moment to speak to God about our own impatience here, about our own inability to wait. And so that's what we want to do today. The band's going to come out. I'm going to pray here in a moment. I want you to take some time today to reflect on your heart. This is an act of celebration for God's family. And so what that means is if you're in here today and you have not trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior, know this, we love that you're here. We are glad that you're here. But know that it's okay just to sit and reflect as those who have trusted in Christ fully come around as family to celebrate God's sacrifice. If you're in here today and that is you, then there's never a better time to come home and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins today and have your first communion today, today here in this church. And so I'm going to pray, but take some time to consider your heart this morning. Father, we come to you today and we admit that this is not something that we do well. It is not something that our culture teaches us to do well. To do well. It is something our culture, in fact, tells us to lean away from. And so today, because of your everlasting love and care for us, will you press into our hearts a conviction, a love that would see us want to flourish in waiting and hoping and trusting in you, that we would delay gratification enough to seek your counsel, your word, to rest in you, that, Lord, that we would not choose to lean into the desire to numb ourselves as we wrestle with the longing and the lacking that happens in our lives when we wait, that you would give us the truth to answer all the fundamental questions that are in our hearts that our impatience so robs us from answering. So God, we thank you that we can come before you today like our very best friend cry out to you today. And so move in our hearts today. Let us celebrate what you've done for us. And we pray this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.